Study nature, love nature, stay close to nature. It will never fail you. Frank Lloyd Wright. And so IT begins. Another year with international travel restrictions if not by government decree then by our preference to avoid exposing ourselves to the unvaccinated covidiots while hurtling through space crammed in a large metal tube with others who may or may not have taken proper precautions to prevent virus transmission. Since we were uncomfortable crawling into a possible petri dish tube, taking a holiday meant another road trip to the western United States. This time, we opted for a more northerly route encompassing the upper Midwest with a sidebar to the eastern edge of the American West. The morning of our departure, I woke my usual before the sun is up early and was antsy to hit the road. Living with a night owl, we didn't set off on the 450 miles drive to Spencer, Iowa until well after sunup. I was hoping to arrive in Spencer with enough time to visit one of my three living aunties and take her out for dinner but the late, for me, departure meant we didn't arrive until after dark. The next morning, I arrived at her place very early, we are both 5am risers, and shared four lovely hours reminiscing over coffee and tea. The last time I saw her, as far as my fading memory recalls, was for my dad's funeral in 2007. She is a spry almost 90-year-old. The visit was so nice, I'm planning on dropping by again on my twice-postponed sabbatical trip, assuming I can take it next year, and this time I will buy her dinner. I'm thinking fall when schools resume and the parks are less overrun with whack-a-mole tourists. The places we visited on this trip were quite empty giving us a sense of solitude. Payment to the universe was in the form of suffering the chilly side of mama nature. The investment paid off. An added bonus, in the absence of human commotion, animals were out and about in great numbers, greater even than our visit to Yellowstone a few years earlier. We saw deer, mule and whitetail, pronghorn, buffalo, bighorn sheep, and prairie dogs in abundance. We also encountered a few coyote, bald eagles, and a single badger busy digging into a prairie dog town before it saw us and waddled off like a fat man with a load in his pants. Pipestone National Monument I was looking for state parks to visit prior to the trip for local aesthetics and because dogs are typically more welcome at state parks than they are at national parks. State parks allow leash dogs on the trails enabling us to visit deeper rather than just the superficial as seen from pullouts and parking lots including short walks while the dogs waited patiently in the vehicle. While investigating, I realized we would be fairly close to Pipestone National Monument, I've been trying to find a source for the sacred stone, so we deviated from the direct path to the Badlands taking a spur to this lesser visited offering of the National Park System. To our delight, we were allowed to take the dogs on the paved trail to see the waterfall. Pipestone is a semi-soft sedimentary rock from which local indigenous Dakota peoples carve ornamentation including the pipe bowl for traditional pipes. Historically, these pipes were traded across the continent between the indigenous peoples who, incidentally, are the only ones permitted to quarry the sacred stone from the monument. The high quality of the pipestone makes those coming from this location the preferred source among tribes living on the Great Plains. Inside the visitor center, we watched Travis, a third-generation carver, grind and file the raw stone into items for sale. I purchased a bear claw with a bear fetish carved into the fat end. I probably should have bought an entire pipe, for ornamentation not to smoke, although smoke offerings with kinnikinnik are not out of the question, but did not see one for sale. They would probably sell for somewhere between $100 and $200 and I didn't have that much cash with me. Travis' work was cash-only sales. Perhaps, if I return next year, I will buy an original pipe, I already own some kinnikinnik, a Native American and First Nations herbal smoking mixture, made from a traditional combination of leaves or barks, to make my own smoke offering to the spirits. Besides the pipestone bear claw, I bought a feather carved from pipestone which was attached to a golden, deer hide necklace. 
The necklace appealed to my love of feathers and love of incredibly soft deer hide. I wore it the entire trip removing it only for the occasional shower. It is now looped around the monitor stand on my home desk along with a deerskin medicine bag and a deerskin wrap dream catcher to trap the bad dreams before they infiltrate my sleep time and cause distress. All are reminders of sacred nature and my connection to all things wild and wonderful. I contemplated finding a local source to acquire some raw pipestone, a mineral only mineable by the Dakota but saleable to non-indigenous peoples. It shouldn't be too difficult to release a feather from the stone and could be worn as an amulet created from my own hands. A small animal is significantly more difficult with intricacies it would take many attempts to master. A pipe bowl with its geometric dimensionality, not out of the realm of possibility but a definite challenge once I acquired some carving skills. Of course, this would require adding to my slowly accumulating tool collection. To our surprise, the monument allowed dogs on trail so we took the short, three-quarters mile hike on the primary paved trail. It took us through prairie grasses, within spitting distance of Winniewissa Falls waterfall, meandered along a stream before returning to the visitor center. On the trail, we saw quite a few cloths tied to trees. At first, I thought dropped items were simply made visible by a kind person in the event the items were accidentally dropped. As more and more appeared in the trees, I wondered what was their meaning. I later learned sacred tobacco was tied in the bundles as an offering to the spirits inhabiting the monument. This gave me fodder to contemplate while rubbing my bare claw giving it a deep, rich color during our drive the 331 miles to our next stop at Wall South Dakota just outside Badlands National Park. Badlands National Park. Three mornings. Of the three potential sunrises in the Badlands, the first we had finished a long drive the previous evening and were too tired. The second I forgot my DSLR camera which ended up being okay, mostly, for the cloud cover density obscured any potential tangerine skies. Forgetting is far superior to losing a SIM card with 1,000 pictures as I did during my one and only Yellowstone visit. I say mostly because we saw our first ever full curl bighorn rams, two of them, up close and personal. They stood horns to horns establishing a dominance hierarchy which included the larger of the two kicking the one with lesser horn structure. None of it looked particularly intimidating yet the smaller horn received the message eventually turned showing his back and sauntered away. Were it a human, I would characterize the saunter as one designed to save face. Another mostly, we also saw our first ever badger in the wild. It didn't linger long around its dig and was off before I could shoot it with my phone camera. The camera in my phone is not bad but it does lack the configurability of my DSLR. And it is a bit of a challenge to get the raw phone photos onto my computer where the JPEG syncs seamlessly. Day 1 and 2, Badlands. We entered via the east entrance, the main entry point with the visitor center. I had been to the Badlands sometime in the late 80s and vaguely remembered a prairie dog town where buffalo grazed fairly close to a dirt road. I needed to talk to the NPS rangers to validate my recollection. He did. It was at the opposite end of the park, near the west entrance a few miles from our hotel. Doe. I wasn't aware there was an easily accessible western entrance. A difference from the previous year when we stayed at exclusively Airbnb homes with their deep cleaning, no contact entries, and sparsity of people, we stayed in both Airbnbs and hotels. We still wiped down the places with disinfectant, an added precaution despite receiving both COVID shots and a recent booster. Better safe than sorry. We always check out the gift shops at the national parks for memorabilia. The Badlands gift shop was closed. Of the four national parks slash monuments visited, two gift shops were disappointingly closed. Also closed was the next door cafeteria so the eats we were hoping to stave off our hunger after skipping breakfast were unattainable. The cafeteria was closed for the season. Such is the downside of traveling off-peak. 
On the positive side, there were very few people to navigate around in the park proper. We drove slowly, meandered, the 27-mile road well under the speed limit allowing us to stop frequently without causing traffic build-up for viewing the landscapes and the animals. A few short hikes in the coolness while the dogs sat in the locked car allowed us to enjoy the silence. Puffy clouds added to the magic of the blue sky and the stark landscape. We took a short hike in the Yellow Mounds, the oldest of the geological formations coming into existence 67 million years ago when flooding seas deposited sediments, exposed now that the plateaus have eroded providing us the opportunity to explore these gorgeous lands once walked by dinosaurs. No fossils were found. Close to the midpoint of the park road, we came into a small band of spikehorn, bighorn ewes grazing the short grasses on the roadside. Since the park was near empty, we sat in the road snapping pictures of the ladies and their lambs. There was not a ram to be seen which I thought a bit unusual since it was rutting season. Surely, there would be some horny males vying for dominance to win this band of attractive females. On the second day, we did see two rams close to the road, close enough for some halfway decent photos taken from my phone. At the western edge of the park, where the dirt road to the prairie dog town skews off the pavement, we came into a scattered herd of Tatanka, Buffalo, bison, bison, whatever you want to call these magnificent prairie dwellers. None were very close which is probably not a bad thing. The bulls are as big as a car and can be as ornery as a wing nut at a school board meeting discussing mask and vaccine mandates and shrill, self-righteous screams. Because there were so few cars, we were able to make frequent roadside stops to indulge in the animal's magical beauty without fear we were holding up traffic or blocking others from their own experience. At the turnouts, we were frequently the only car allowing us to exit and walk the trails in relative solitude and without human cacophony. It was magical, despite the cold forcing us to layer up. Day 2, Black Hills. The Black Hills, Custer State Park. I am reluctant to engage in any activity associated with the bastard George Armstrong Custer, murderer of innocent women and children. Well, as Vine Deloria Jr. wrote, Custer died for his sins at the Battle of Greasy Grass, one of the few scoundrels of the era to receive just comeuppance for their evil ways. Why the state park would keep this moniker in light of his heinous actions, bewilders me. Tipping the scales to going to Custer SP were two factors. My wife wanted to go there to see more animals and, being a state park, dogs are allowed on hikes as long as they are leashed. They were confined to the car all through the badlands so we wanted to give them some lengthy rain in the outdoors. Custer SP is at higher elevation than the badlands. Temps were on the cooler side with flurries intermittent too cold to hike comfortably. Luckily, the main road, Wildlife Road, into the park was open. The previous day it was closed due to snowfall. We slow drove the entire road including a couple of crushed gravel offshoots. We watched a couple buffalo, cow and calf, grazing, saw a significant herd in the distance being fed by a man in a pickup truck. I expect those were to supply the buffalo meat market. Buffalo tastes like beef but is a bit leaner, a better choice for those of us prone to cardiovascular events. We encountered a few bald eagles soaring and or perched in a tree. We had visited the Mississippi in the late winter to see them in force. Their count fell from over 200 to a single flyer in the two days between the peak and the day we arrived to see them. Disappointing ROI for a six-hour round-trip drive. Here we encountered them accidentally. We turned the car off and rolled down the windows to admire their essence. In the silence, we could hear their call. Not a beautiful voice, more like a screech but effective for the species and a lovely accent in the brisk air. The Black Hills, Crazy Horse After Custer, we swung by the in-progress Crazy Horse Memorial and considered entering the complex but balked when learning the cost was $20 per head. Crazy Horse was a renowned military leader leading the resistance against the cancerous white invasion. 
by rights, he should be honored for his heroism. The project initially had support from some Lakota people but has since fallen into a netherworld where they now see it as an exploitative insult used for profiteering. In my mind, one should look to the person the monument is supposed to honor to determine if apropos. Would Thajukwitko, crazy horse, view the massive monument as an honor or as a sacrilege because it is destroying the very sacred space he and his warriors fought so hard to defend? With the little First Nations understanding I have regarding their deep respect and reverence for the nature which sustains them and is holy in many forms, I have no doubt he would view the destruction as an abomination to all that is sacred in the Pahasapa, the hills that are black. One need not look far back into history to uphold this point of view. A U.S. court ruled in a 5-2 majority, later upheld in a Supreme Court 8-1 majority, that the Black Hills were stolen from the Sioux in violation of their Fifth Amendment protections against the taking of property by the government without compensation awarding them $106 million for the stolen land. That money is not and never has been in the Lakota hands rather it was set in an interest-bearing account and is now worth upwards of $1.3 billion due to accruals. Still, the Lakota won't accept the money for the illegally seized land because doing so terminates their demand for the return of the Pahasapa. This ongoing saga tells me in blazing neon letters that Thajuk Witko would be sickened at the desecration of the land to carry his likeness. This I learned subsequent to not visiting the Crazy Horse Monument making me glad I forwent the experience. The Black Hills, Sylvan Lake Our final destination on our whirlwind tour of the Black Hills was Sylvan Lake, an alpine tarn high in the mountains. The final approach required navigating switchbacks on a narrow road with a tunnel only able to accommodate a single car at a time in either direction. The road, due to freezing conditions, was a white knuckler in spots. Sylvan Lake is gorgeous. It is surrounded by trees and massive rocks which reflected in the mirror still waters. We let the dogs off leash and walked halfway around the lake on the snow-covered path. Halfway was as far as we could go in that direction. The dogs were as jubilant as my wife and I they zoomed in the crisp air requiring us to, eventually, leash them up so they would not get lost or hurt. This is a place I would love to return to for camping and writing meditation for the muses were thick and I wanted to connect with them. Day 3, Badlands So, there were three Badlands mornings with potential sunrise photos. Morning 1 we slept in. Morning 2, in my rush to capture sunrising, I forgot my camera and had to struggle through my sunrise addiction with only an iPhone. Thankfully, that morning was cloud-covered lessening my disappointment. The final morning, the morning star and clouds aligned for some decent shots. The freezing air was Swarovski clear. The clouds wouldn't add much but, more importantly, they also would not detract from sun's radiant face. I entered the still dark national park from the west driving a short way until I was north of the main ridge. The vantage point would allow an unobstructed view of the rising sun, not yet even a sliver on the horizon, and would allow me to watch the rocks behind me as they were gradually painted from top to bottom in the warm light. When we stopped at the same spot the previous day, I smelled sage. I become giddy with the scent of sage. Alone this time, I came prepared to indulge my sage obsession. I walked down the game trail to a short lip which I jumped down to a slightly lower tier that quickly dropped deeper on an angle suitable for walking in my loose-fitting, driving moccasins. I grabbed handfuls of sage leaves which I crushed and brought to my nose so I could inhale a lung full of the aroma. If I ruled the afterlife, the scent of choice would be fresh sage. I grabbed two more handfuls of sage before gathering a few dry twigs from beneath the thicket. Out of sight of the road, I arranged loose stones laying about into a circle where I placed and ignited the twigs. As the fire gathered flame, I tossed in smattering of the sage leaves for added aroma. I popped up. After scanning again to ensure no others were about, I removed my clothing, every article including shoes and arranged them in a neat pile for sitting. 
The ground was too scrubby sharp for my naked ass. I rubbed the sage leaves over every inch of my body I could reach then took in another long snoot full before throwing them on the fire. The wind was still as the morning was silent save the crackling of my little fire whose smoke I fanned onto my body. Fully consecrated, I waited in the silence with eyes tightly shut for them to appear. It wasn't until my nipples hardened into little pebbles and my body edged towards blue that I heard them approaching from the lowest level of the plains. The pitter-patter of little feet delicately navigating the path. Why, I thought, do spirits have footfalls? Do they have mass? Or is my understanding of the spirit world hopelessly intertwined with floating Casper ghosts? Pitter-patter. Pitter-pitter-patter-patter. They were very close now. I could just make out their breathing. Breathing? My fire had already died. The moon was a waning crescent barely giving off enough light to see my hand. I felt a brush of warm air against my face then heard uttered words grandson. Was grandfather visiting me again? It had been what seemed like ages since our last encounter. Grandson, open your eyes. I think I heard the words. If not heard, then they were spoken directly into my soul. Either way, I experienced communication and obeyed, slowly forcing open my eyes. The bitter cold had frozen my eyelash together. A blurred shadow on which I could not focus. I blinked a few times until my vision was clear. Before me, in massive glory, a bull buffalo, the largest I had ever seen. Bigger than the SUV I parked at the turnout. Its cape was glowing golden and in perfect form with a huge hump. Not a strand of fur out of place. Not a blemish distracting from the smooth coat. It had a white beard. White beard. And the eyes, the eyes glowed amber as if sun itself radiated from inside the buffalo. How could this be? Why didn't it stomp the shit out of me? Buffalo can be ornery but this one exuded serenity. And why was I no longer cold? Grandson, you are no longer cold because of the heat radiating from me. Is that so? Despite my nakedness, I was starting to sweat from buffalo heat. Shit, the buffalo was speaking to me? Was this going to be another? In a manner of speaking. I am communicating with thoughts not voiced sounds. I can also communicate with telepathic images. Which works best for you? Um, words tend to be my preferred medium. There's too much nuanced interpretation required to understand a picture. Then words I shall use. I gather you are a spirit buffalo? Correct. I always thought spirit buffalo were white, not brown, or golden caped, as in your case. The living spirit buffalo is white. The white robe is only a mechanism alerting humans they are in the presence of buffalo that is able to walk in both the spirit and living worlds, one that can carry prayers before and behind the veil. Once we fully transition to the spirit world, we revert to our fundamental state and are as you see me now albeit made whole again with the wounds we suffered in life erased. Do you have a spirit buffalo name? My name is Sun. Sun, so you are or were a male. Not sure how the gender thing works in the spirit realm. No. Sun is in the star soon to be carried over the horizon. I was neither male nor female in life. As all spirit buffalo, I am a two-spirit easily bending across genders as the situation necessitates. It is only the two spirits that can move between the phases of existence. I have a question. You called me grandson. Does that mean you are the grandfather who I met previously only now in a buffalo motif? If so, good to see you again, grandfather. I am acquainted with the being of whom you speak. I am not he. Neither is he, me. However, I am here at this juncture per his request to give you a message. It had been a year since the last of my seven encounters with grandfather. Maybe not years. His timeline is non-linear so before and after become confused. I'm not sure if our last encounter was the first, the last, or somewhere in between. 
maybe even more than seven. The nonlinearity means I could have, or will have met him in the future. What is grandfather's message? He said dot experience tree. Experience tree? What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Uh, excuse my French spirit buffalo. No offense grandson. You know me as buffalo because the French called me boof so there's some history with the language. I don't suppose grandfather told you what experience tree means? What I am supposed to do with that message? No. He did not. He just requested that I tell you, experience tree. Though, his thoughts were rambling something about destinations? I think? It is difficult to comprehend that old one. No shit. He has confused me every time we conversed. Yet, his advice is uncanny in the way it plays out in my life. Ah well. I guess I will understand what experience tree means when I need to know. I wonder if the tree experience will happen or has already happened. So confused. Also confusing, why it was still the pitch of night. It seems the sunrise is later than normal today. Why is that? It is because I was tasked with relaying this message to you. What have you and the sun got to do with each other? Grandfather said you could be a bit, how do you say it, slow. I am named sun because I am the sun. It is also why we are central to the sun dance. Why do you think I carry this massive hump? No idea. The hump is sun energy. It is an energy that permeates my body. My eyes are amber because it is time to rise. As the day progress, they will turn blazing white before once again transitioning to amber. K. Interessante. May I take your picture? Otherwise no one will believe this encounter. Hell, I'm having trouble believing we are face to face. Yes, yes you may. Au revoir, mon ami. With a goodbye, before I could get my camera ready, sun galloped toward the horizon. The moment sun jumped over the edge, the sky exploded in amber light stretching as far as mine eyes could see. Cold again, I threw on my clothing and started taking photographs. I guess this is what Sun Buffalo meant when saying I could take pictures. No one will believe my story. And I can't tell my wife. She still thinks I'm crazy from the times I told her about my encounters with grandfather. Dash. Bye bye Badlands. The classic cowboy song, Home on the Range, goes. Oh give me a home where the buffaloes roam. Where the deer and the antelope play. Where seldom is heard a discouraging word and the skies are not cloudy all day. In this absence of people to spook the animals into hiding, we experienced a microcosm of the Old West before it was overrun by the white locusts, and buffalo were pushed to near extinction as a tactic to eradicate the indigenous peoples. It made me long for the days of yore when wildlife blanketed the plains and a person was able to live off the land with relative ease. It was with great reluctance we left. We did wait until after golden hour but not much longer. We had a number of stops to make on our way to Bears Lodge in Wyoming and I wanted to arrive for the evening golden hour. To be continued, at Bears Lodge. December 29, 2021. Dash. Dash. 1. Notes for reference. 2. 